Welcome back to Coast to Coast Sports with Michael Fumafredo, the only podcast for the fans, by the fans. It's casual Saturday. We're here watching some golf. I got my good buddy Danny Vaccaro with me. We're going to talk about some sports, the U.S. Open right now, some fantasy football questions. And no, we're not experts. If we were experts, we both wouldn't have lost week one. (laughs) But there's still a long season left, and we're hoping to turn it around. Dan, thanks for being here. No problem. Very um, happy to be here on this weekend, Dolph. Yep. Uh, so, we're both Jet fans, obviously, and last week wasn't a good one. They lost 27-17 to the Buffalo Bills. A lot of people are calling for Adam Gase's head. Yeah. I mean, what do you do? It's very unfortunate. But I saw potential in the second half. Some people said that they didn't. They gave up 21 points in the first nine minutes of the game. And then the defense looked decent. They scored. They only gave up six points for the rest of the game. Donald woke up a little bit. So, I mean, there's not much to look forward to, but I feel like if it, if it keeps up, we're going to have to get rid of the guy. But until then, hopefully, I mean, we have, a, we have a tough first few games, and we have the second hardest schedule out of all the teams. But, I mean. I think many people are complaining that Adam Gase came in, supposed to be this offensive guru, and – the offense just hasn't been good at all. It's been very poor play on the offensive end. Nobody's really stepping up. Sam Darnold hasn't made that jump that everyone was expecting. He's still very young, and I could see this team sticking with him. But what do you think? I hate to. He goes I I hate to uh, to take Darnold's side because he just doesn't look like a rookie. That uh, well, what is the second year? Third. Third year that he that he's in the league for, but, I mean, he doesn't have anyone around him still. He's, I mean, his offensive line isn't as strong as it can be, and I hate, I really hate to, like, take his side, but, like, he, does, he doesn't have the, the weapons around him. And I feel like if he did, if he had a, a little, if he had one breakout receiver and a few linemen, if he had a little more time in the pocket, he would come out and actually show I, I don't think do. the line's been the problem, and, now, it's the receivers. People, it's it's the, receivers. the receivers, but it's. I think many people are just targeting Adam Gase, and that's the problem. Look at this video I found today. It was on uh, NFL Live. They uh, talked about who they were picking this week for the Jets Bills for the Jets 49ers game, and they just straight up laughed. And they talked about this game. I think many people are expecting a Niners blowout here, even though the Niners had a very poor showing against the Cardinals last week. Yeah, but here, this is the video that. I found it was on NFL Live. Just listen to what they say. Surprise loss to the Cardinals. They're taking on the Jets week two. We're the NFL Live crew, Ryan Clark and Marcus Spears here. Marcus, who wins this one? I'm taking the 49ers because they playing the Jets. <laughs> that was it. Ryan. Watch what the, watch what the other guy says. Wait, that, that's, that's all of it? That's the whole thing? He's just confused. Well, I'm taking the 49ers because Adam Gase coached the Jets. And so now we're done. That's the whole segment. 49ers because they are the Jets. 49ers because Adam Gates coached the Jets. Peace. Deuces. And yeah, that's. I like to I like to always tell people that aren't Jets fans that oh they can win this week. Like oh you know what I feel like they're gonna go nine and seven this year. I feel like they're gonna go ten and six this year. But I just can't see them beating the 49ers. I mean you you never know. But unless unless they don't unless they give up they don't they don't give up two touchdowns in the first six minutes of the game, they're not going to have a chance. And that's usually what happens. They are, it takes them a quarter and a half to warm up every game. Yeah, and that was – I think that's what happened with the final score in the last one. It was 27-17, but 
really that was a garbage time touchdown at the end. Yeah, they should have lost. Mean, that's always what it is. They always make it close. Listen, they went. They were what were they six and two of the last eight games last year? Yeah, they, they woke up. You can use the excuse that Donald got mono and that they had no quarterback for three, four weeks, but I mean, I mean, it's all excuses out, at this point. But you take out that that Patriots game, Donald stats don't look that bad. No, not at all, not at all. That's why you need if if he gets one or two weapons that can finally wake this offense up. The defense is there. Besides the, I mean, we can't talk about week one because they gave up twenty one points in the first quarter, but. The defense has never really been the big, big, big issue. It's, it's just that the defense is always on the field. So there's, it's just a matter of the other team scoring points because the defense is on the field for 70% of the game. So where do you see this team going right now? When do you think Adam Gase will most likely be fired? They got, the, like we said, the 49ers coming up this that's weekend. That's a loss. The Colts week three that's, that's at a, Indianapolis. I mean, you, you could, you could say it's a, a toss-up toss for any of the games, but knowing the Jets, I mean – I, if, if it keeps up this way and they play sloppy, I give Gase, oh, God, seven, eight, nine weeks. Maybe. I think I think he gets fired week four against the Broncos. It's a Thursday night game. You think they if go this, 0-4? I, I think they will go 0-4, and if they do, the offense really just plays terrible. I think it'll be time to make a change. A lot of people are calling for his head already. So I can agree with that. I could, I could see that, or they play – the Patriots on a Monday night in Week Nine, if they're really that bad by then, and Adam Gase hasn't gotten fired, I think you start to make a move. Then the Dolphins are in Week Ten, and then there's a bye. They play the Dolphins again Week Twelve. Yeah. So whoever the new interim head coach is, I think it'll be Greg Williams. I think he'll have an easier game to prepare for on the short week. Then he's got the bye week, and then he plays the same team again. I think that's a great time to really make a coaching change. Listen, I, I think if he, if he wins a game or two in the first five weeks, it, it was the same exact thing last year. We had we played the Vikings, the Patriots twice, the Saints last year. We were, oh, we were what, 1-5 after the first six games? We were lucky enough to beat the Cowboys. We should have been 0-6. And yeah. we finished 7-9. I mean, I, I feel like that was the, the best they could have done with the schedule they were dealt with last year, especially with the team that they had, and knowing them, that Darnold went down. So, I mean, this year it's – Somehow, some way, they have another tough schedule, and I'm not using that as an excuse. But generally, their their schedule is not an easy schedule. Yeah, I mean, well, the Patriots just lost <clears throat> Tom Brady. They're not the same team. They very were. different Patriots team. Completely the Bills, different. The Bills are the best team in this division, so I that could be six games that you can really go either way. It's yeah. a division game, maybe a home win. The other it, team it's it's a matter isn't of isn't the same for the Jets. It's a matter of their division. If they're able to be. 500 or better, maybe beat the, well, now it's, instead of the Patriots being the best team, it's the Bills, but beat the Patriots once, maybe twice. You got to beat the Dolphins twice. If you don't beat the Dolphins twice. And we struggle to do that for no some chance. reason. We, we, I don't know we, why we, we have, lose a game to yeah. the Dolphins every year. I guess it's, it's like, it's a division rivalry, but we're really the better team in that, which is weird saying because we're not a good team at all, but. Yeah, well, the only thing, the last thing I'm going to say about this is, we're going to continue to be the laughing stock of the league if we can't beat the teams like the Dolphins, like the Browns. We, we gave the Browns their first win after their sick losing streak. So, I mean, if you can't beat these teams and you, you can't beat these teams good, then you're going to have no chance against the Bills. You're going to have no chance against the 49ers or even against the Patriots. So, I mean, it's just a matter of they, if they win the toss-up games. Yeah, just one more thing about the Jets before we get into some fantasy football. A lot of these ranking sites, Bleacher Report, ESPN, they got – the Jets dead last in the power rankings. What do you think? There's any teams that the Jets are better than right now, or is that an accurate ranking? That's a good question. 
Um, I mean, who's who's thirty thirty first? Who who's at the who else is at the bottom? I don't know. I stopped reading after the Jets were thirty two. Well, yeah. I mean, there are teams. I mean, I bet you Jacksonville's down there at the bottom. Yeah, right. Jacksonville didn't look bad. Gardner Minshew really played well. I think, but I think if you put them two head to head, I think the Jets got them. They have in previous years. The, I mean, um, I think I. I think right now, the way they're playing, they definitely deserve to be down there. But, listen, all it takes is one or two weeks for Darnold to actually wake up, light bulb goes off, and then they, they win a few games. You never know. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think right now they do look like the worst team, but it's not like a... That's they're subject so far to change. In the, yeah, there's not so far in the basement where like no. the Bengals and the Browns two year, a couple of years ago. I think if you put them up against a team like Jacksonville, like even Cleveland if they're on a bad bad day, stuff like that, I think you get those. The I have all the respect. Have in, I have all game. the respect in the world for Joe Burrow and for the Bengals and that team. But the only reason why they aren't at the bottom of the power rankings is because Joe Burrow. Yeah. Like they just wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. and give him a little bit of a of a boost to get into the league. Listen, it's not his fault. He's owned too. He played well the second game. He played well the first game. But I mean, we won't talk about that now. Yeah. But we'll see with the Jets. So let's get into some fantasy stuff. Uh, we both, like I said, we both lost our first game. Not the best showing. A couple of our guys, both on on each team's, got hurt in the middle of the game. They started off slow, but our quarterback situation. I think that's like our strongest point. Maybe for my running backs for me, I have McCaffrey and Nick Chubb. But I think our quarterbacks are solid. I have Dak Prescott. You have Russell Wilson. So let's just go a little back and forth. Who do you think is going to have the better year? Good question. I think, I, well, I'm obviously I'm gonna be biased and say Russ. I mean, he's been. Yeah, cons- I'm gonna be biased and say Dak. Right. He's been. He's consistent. He's been consistent. He's finally has developing receivers around him. DK Metcalf's finally around him. So I mean, you could, you could, you could really. It's a toss up again. You could give it to either of them. I have. I like. The, I mean, I'm not a Giants fan, so I don't dislike the Cowboys. I like Dak Prescott. I like them both. Last week, um, last week Russ showed up for me. And it's the only reason why my game was close. So I'm going to say Russ, obviously. But this week is playing the Patriots. Apparently, for some reason, it's got them as the number one, number one team against receivers. So it could be a little bit of a test game for, for Russ. So we'll see what happens. I'll have, I would have a better answer for you after week two to see what he does against the Patriots this week. Yeah, I think Dak Prescott's first game as well, same situation. He, he played well. He didn't make that many mistakes. I think what it really came down to, the reason they lost that game was – Mike McCarthy's play call on the fourth down and that pass interference call. But he had 17 points for me. I think if they didn't take away that Ezekiel Elliott uh, touchdown and then he fell short of the goal line, he would have had a better day. But I don't know. I think he's ready to have a good year and schedule is not really that bad. You have the Washington football team on there twice. You got the Eagles who made Dwayne Haskins look like the next Tom Brady out there, and then the New York Giants, just another team. That's six games that I like Dak's chances in. He's They're also up facing off. Teams. He's facing off against Russ on Week Three, so that'll Ooh, be that's going to be so a that'll be a, hopefully a shootout. Speaking of who Russ played last week, the the Falcons, he uh, he really killed them. Well, yeah, Atlanta. So, they they say Atlanta has the worst has the worst defense against well, yeah, the Yeah, because Russell Wilson had the best right. game of the week. Russ threw, Russ threw 31 passes, 35 passes, completed 31 of them, only four incompletions, over 300 pass yards, four pass touchdowns, no picks, no turnovers, not a lot of mistakes. A lot of his, act, a lot of his action came from Chris Carson, 
who was out of the backfield and had a bunch of had two reception touchdowns, right? Yeah, I think, I think two reception touchdowns. So he I played mean, a great game. He played. He's on my other fantasy team. We won't talk about that other fantasy team though. But um, he um, the I I think the reason why Russ Russ played as well as he did is because he limited the amount of incompletions he had, and there were only four of them. So there weren't a lot of mistakes that he made. He came out strong, passed touchdown in the first possession of the game, and from there it was all just smooth sailing. So I think yeah, Russell Wilson's definitely. That guy, I think they need to get him involved more. In years past, it's really been just like run the ball until the fourth quarter, then make Russell Wilson right. be your hero, play some hero ball. But he's always been he's always been the three, four, five quarterback in the league because now Mahomes came in and went straight to one. Now Lamar is threatening to be as good as Mahomes, if not better already. So he's kind of been like forgotten about, and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to say forgotten about because he still is a top five quarterback, and so is Dak. But with these two, with with Lamar and Pat Mahomes, they just completely like Russ has almost been like left in the dust. And I think that if he keeps it up, he'll be able to keep his name out there as he's always able, as he as he always has been able to do. So when I when I think about the difference between Dak and Russell Wilson, though, I think it, a lot of it comes down to the weapons that they got. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, the Cowboys' offensive firepower is. A, not a lot better, but definitely. I, think, I mean, it's, more I think it's better. Like, it's it's a significant impact. Yeah, no, the Cowboys definitely have a better receiving core. But than the, the problem is than, uh, they run the ball to Ezekiel Elliott a lot, and right. that'll take away uh, p- attempts from Dak. It'll. C. Really D. Lamb's just, a new guy. C. D. Lamb played amazing too. I really like. Here what they he really, did. when you think about it, the Cowboys really do have weapons. They have Gallup. They have Cooper. They have now C. D. Lamb. They have Zeke out of the backfield. So I mean. Um, Russ is used to his receivers. That's why he's able to work with what he's got. He has Tyler Lockett. He's had him for a few years. So Tyler, Tyler Lockett's Lockett, not a, that I have on my team right. too. I he's hope not he, a top ten I hope receiver. He to him. He's not a top ten receiver, but he's one of those role player guys that Russell Wilson's. It's like that. It reminds me of Brady when he had Edelman. Edelman wasn't a top ten receiver, but he was used to him. Edelman had seven catches for hundred yards every game just because Brady threw him for ten years. Exactly. So. So who do you think who do you think's his go-to guy though? Because DK Metcalf has shown he can really be that guy to just go up and get a jump ball from forty yards down the field in the end zone. But I think it Tyler depends. Lockett's a re- reliable right. target who he can throw to across the you middle. You want to throw a five, that's what I was gonna say. You want to throw a five-yard slant? You're giving it to Lockett. But if you're gonna if you're gonna throw the deep ball, you gotta give hey, it to, you gotta give it to catch the deep. Ball. No, they definitely can. But DK is the uh, the guy with the muscles, so yeah. he's the one that gets all the all the talk. But I think Lockett is one of the biggest, if not the biggest part in Russell Wilson's game. So it's very helpful to him to have someone that he can come through, he, he's comfortable with and that he can that he can rely on. So you made a you actually uh, I'm looking at your lineup right now. You made a change at your running back two spot. You took out James Conner, put in Jonathan Taylor. Is that yeah, Jay, what do you think I'm, about I'm Jonathan at, Taylor? I, put, I really like him. Yeah, but. I put James Conner in timeout because he I needed six points out of him. And said he decided to go down with an ankle injury seven minutes into the game. So he's in timeout. Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack just went down. So Jonathan Taylor is set to be the lead back. But the only thing that scares me with that is that Naheem Hines, for some reason, put up like 27, 28 points last week. So that's the only thing. I mean, that, I don't think that's going to take away from Jonathan Taylor's carries because he must. He mostly came out of the backfield and caught passes. He had two, two reception touchdowns. So... I like I like Jonathan Taylor. I like him a lot. 
And I think I'm going to start him. Him and uh, Kenyon Drake are my two lead guys now. James Conner, depending on what they say today. I, I think they said I he's hear good. He's he, gonna play. He, he practiced, practiced fully. fully. Yeah, so. so, I mean, I, I think right now I'm going to give Taylor the start this week. And I'm going to leave Conner out to see what he does out of the injury. But I like my chances with Jonathan Taylor. I like him. He's a good he's – a, He's a good, I guess for me, a running back too because I, I guess we'll call Kenyon Drake my lead back. So, The Jonathan Taylor-Naheem Hines situation, it kind of looks like it's shaping up to be a poor man's Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Yeah, I think 100%. Even like Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones a couple years back when they were a two-headed monster, that's what Indianapolis is trying to go for. It's not that it's good to wish injury on somebody, but... It definitely benefits those two guys. I think that Marlon Mack went down. I think they can both show out what they got now. Another guy, though, you mentioned James Conner. You put him in timeout. Yeah. But what about Mike Evans? Last week, he was a game-time decision. It was a good move to not start him. He was kind of dealing with that hamstring injury. Yeah. As you're oh. saying this, I'm looking at my lineup right now. Um, I like him. I mean, it's – for for him and Brady, it's the thing that there was no preseason, and they've been talking about this on the news for the last week. The 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 streak route that he threw, the the one pick that Brady threw, Evans stopped running, did a curl. Brady thought he was still in the Patriots and thought that his receiver was gonna know what he was doing, and he threw it up as Mike Evans turned around, threw it over his head, pick. So it's just these little things where like they have to just get used to each other. Obviously, Evans was hurt. He had I don't know how many targets he had, but he only had one catch. It was for a touchdown. But I don't think – the only reason why I'm thinking about putting him in this week is because Chris Godwin's doubtful. So I'm thinking about maybe putting him over Marquise Brown, who's in my flex right now. So it's a matter of whether or not Godwin plays and whether or not his hamstring is up to full speed, which I think it is. So that's going to be a game-time decision for me. I like him. A lot of people – a lot of people gave me some, gave me stuff for drafting him as early as I did, but I, I seriously think that he's going to break out. I think he's going to break out this year. As long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to break out. Yeah, I've, I've been talking about this with some other guys, just trying to get the feel for people. Have Mike Evans, I have Chris Godwin on a team. Mm-hmm. It's Chris God. It's like the same thing with the Lockett, DK Metcalf kind of situation where Godwin's that reliable guy, and then Mike Evans is the muscle. But right. I think Mike Evans can have a breakout game every once in a while, but he'll also have games where he gets one catch, but it's for a touchdown. Right. It's just a matter of it's just a matter of whether or not he stays healthy. He had four targets for one reception last week, so it's not even like Brady was looking for him. He only threw it to him four times. So, what's your outlook on the rest of your receiving core, though? You have Tyreek Hill, who's he's a must start every week. Yeah, I have my my. And then you got core Will Fuller and Marquise Brown. Those guys. I think he, the injury risk of Will Fuller is always there. You got to be worried about. Is Marquise Brown a guy you feel comfortable putting in at flex, like in case you don't want to put a running back there? Because you're got to be honest, your running back situation is not the best on the bench. Not at all. I mean, I picked up Peyton Barber this week. He's the only guy I really have that I can take out. I picked up Frank Gore because Levy like Bell's Zach going Moss, out. Though. He can... And I have Zach Moss, who's the power back. He's kind of like he's a touchdown. He's, a, he's guy. just a touchdown. Five yards and in, give it to him, let him go. But I don't. Li- I actually completely agree with you. I do not like my running back core. So I need to. I for me, Fuller and Fuller needs to stay healthy. Evans needs to get healthy and stay healthy. And Hollywood Brown needs to just consistently get seven, eight, nine catches for a certain for a hundred yards. 
which he's been doing lately. He's a guy that he's really grown with Lamar Jackson. You look at his first game; he played really well. The only thing that scares me. The only thing that scares me is is Mark is Mark Andrews, right? That's his name. The tight tight end. end, Yeah, yeah. He Lamar Jackson absolutely loves him. I'd be worried more about the like the volume that he's going to get. Is he going to? They don't throw the ball that much unless it's like a shootout. Right. There's always that. I think, but when you talk about. Marquise Brown, his first game last year, he played ridiculous, but he only played like 12 snaps. Who? Marquise Brown, uh, his first game last year. Yeah, I mean, it's it, that's uh, it's crazy how I keep using the word toss-up, but everything on my team is a literal toss-up. It's just a matter of whether they're on that week or not, because, oh my God, I don't have any real, real, real superstar, but it's just a matter of if they decide to show up that week and if they stay healthy. Yeah, I like it. Who do you think? What do you think about your chances this week? Though you're going up against Brand, he also lost, but he's starting Miles Sanders, who's a guy I really like. But other than that, he has Devonte Adams. What's he doing with that? He's played fantastic. Jameson Crowder's out though, but he's still projected to beat you by a point. Yeah, so. I, I don't understand that. For some reason, after we finished our draft, everybody had a draft grade of A, a minus. Or B plus. I don't even think anyone had a B or a B minus. My team had a C plus. I don't know why. I don't know what the reason for it was. I really didn't think my team was that bad. I think it's not. You I think I got as bad of a grade as I did because I took Colin Kaepernick in my last round. But I think it's just because the fact that he's not signed to a team made my team bad. But talking about um, hey, guess what I got on that. A. A. Right, A. And we was, both I, lost week one anyway, so it doesn't I was matter. Only, I was projected to be 11-2, and two, so... And I was projected to be 5-9, and nine. so... You got eight more losses, I only got one, it looks like. Right. So, um, with that being said, Brant's team... Brant, Brant is a very, very, like, favorable, favorable choice. But he always picks guys that he likes. He always has a guy from the Jets. He's got because, Le'Veon Bell and he, Jameson he has two. He had two guys starting from the Jets last week. The Jets generate 150 yards of, of offense a game. And the only reason why Jameson Crowder had 24 points is because he had one breakout touchdown. Le'Veon Bell, we, we should have talked more about Le'Veon Bell when we were talking about the Jets because that poor guy doesn't even get the ball. He got hurt. He got, I know, he did get hurt. But they have, I think they need to utilize him more. But as far as this week goes, Brandt's running backs, I think, are weaker than mine. Somehow he has Miles Sanders and Singletary. So, I mean, those are both toss-up guys, but I think that my guys are stronger than them. Obviously, he has Devontae Adams, he has DJ Moore, and he, right now he has someone that's out and is projected zero points, and somehow he's still projected to beat me. So, I like my chances this week. I think that hot take, I think Tyreek is going to put up like 20, 30 points this week. Against so, the Chargers. So, I, I like my chances this week. If I had a dollar for every time you said toss up today, I think you'd I could be rich. I think I could be I could pay for this microphone that I just bought you know, off you'd, Amazon. You'd, you'd be you'd be rich. This podcast would be in its own studio or something. We'd have uh, sponsors all the time. If you had a word to describe it's, fantasy football, it's, it's a toss up. It's a toss up. Yeah. So now we've been watching this golf match, the U.S. Open going on at Wingfoot. A lot of guys are even par right now, but just a few breakout guys. This is Bryson DeChambeau just who hit just snap hooked one. Absolute snap hook. That looks like my drive. I just watched Justin Thomas hit one 20 yards dead left off the side of his driver into the trees. And just watched Bryson DeChambeau, the most consistent drive in the game, just put one 50 yards left of the fairway. 
This course is an absolute monster. I played here twice. You've played there? I played there. I played at Wingfoot twice, and it is an absolute demon of a course. It's making these guys look like Michael on the golf course. Yeah, and that's that's just so you guys know that means pretty bad. Last last night, well not last night. Yesterday there were only 3 rounds that were under 70. 3 rounds under par. So it's really it's really proving to be one of the hardest if not the hardest tournament this year because there is there's only 4 guys over par, under par. Justin Thomas just made bogey on the first hole, so he's threatening to go back over par again and Patrick Reed is the lead right now at four four under. So we'll see how we'll see how he fares today. But this course is an absolute animal. Yeah, Danny's a big golf guy. He actually finished second in the Richmond County Club Championship here on Staten Island. But Matt Wolf right now is two under par through four holes. Is he a guy that can really make the jump and Take over of Patrick Reed. I don't think he's gonna stay stay under par just because he's so young and I, I don't know how many times he's played this course. But this is this is gonna be something where it comes down to the veterans, I think. I think Matsuyama at, at fifth will make a charge. Justin Thomas, who's one over somehow right now. He's three over on he's the day. He's three over on the day. Through three. So he's gonna come back and make a few birdies, I think. I think Reed'll stay there. I think the Shambles stay there. Um it's going to be a matter of who minimizes the damage when they get in trouble because it's the rough is almost a foot long. When you're in there, it's almost impossible to get out. You see it just by watching it. These guys, it's really giving them trouble. It's, it's going to come down to who can keep the ball in the fairway and who can get up and down when they miss the green. That's going to be, those are the two most important things, fairways and scrambling, getting up and down when you miss the green. Yeah, we have a total of six guys right now that are – under par and then one who's even. But I think by the end of the day, there'll be two. Really? That's my guess. Two. Two. The two will be under par. Bryson DeChambeau's one over on the day. Everyone else pretty much even or one under, except Matt Wolf, who's two under. Right. Justin Thomas, though, the thing about him is he shot the lowest round at Wingfoot in a four-day tournament on Thursday. Yeah, he shot five under on Thursday and then so, came back. And but was, now he's three over right, he and was three five, over again. He was five over through the first seven holes of the second day. So he went from five under in the lead to even par after the first eight holes of the second day. So That's, that's crazy. I still think there is some room for him to bounce back, though. I agree. So he's the guy to watch out for. Anyone else? Rory McIlroy's playing really well. He's two under on the day. Yeah, Rory McIlroy's moving good. up the Alex Noren has the, lead of the, has the uh, round of the day right now. He's, I was watching him this morning. He was um, three under. He shot 67, yeah. which is the second lowest round so far this tournament, I think. And he was, yeah, was, a he, couple was 67s. he was putting. He was putting from 30, 40 yards off the green. He was in the fairway 40 yards from the hole, and he, put, he was using his putter. It just goes to show how how dainty and how perfect your approach shots need to be at these holes because if they don't, if they aren't, they're off by a foot, they roll off the green. Yeah, the thing about today though is. You got you got guys like Roy McIlroy who's one under, but he's tied for eighth. Right. So I think if you're what you're saying is correct, some guys are gonna drop out completely. Like Thomas Peters, who's two two over today through four. He's a guy that was teeing off with the top groups. I don't think but, we're gonna I don't think we're gonna see a round lower than two three under for the rest yeah. of the tournament. So the guys think, who are one two three over still are in it. But it, they, it, they that's need a, to. That's a it's, tough push. It's, to... it's a tough push. You have to hope. I mean, it's gonna people. The people at the top of the leaderboard: Reed, Wolf, Thomas, DeChambeau, They're they're not gonna be under par. 
I'd seriously, and if they are, it's going to be one. So it's just a matter of of what they what 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 Reed does today. I think is the most important because so, he just went off. He's on the first hole. So, so who do you think is the guy that's going to win? Who do you think's the guy that could potentially make the push from the two three over? Pool? My my choice. I made I had a, not a bet, but I picked with my friends who I thought was going to win, and I had JT winning. I have Thomas. Thomas is my guy. Because I just think he's been overall playing the best this year. He's the most consistent. You don't need to really be long, long on this course. That's why I think I don't like DeChambeau. Because he's, he, I, I just watched him hit a ball from the, from the I think, the seventh fairway it was, and he's on the second hole. It's, you obviously need to be long in all these tournaments, but I think it's a matter of who's the straightest and who's the most consistent with their irons. And I don't think anyone has better iron play than JT does. So... I'm actually I, I like JT's chances, but I'm actually gonna say Bryson DeChambeau is my guy to, I think really win it. He's the only guy right now that's had two rounds both under par, or at least in the top of the leaderboard. But. Listen, if it's gonna be it's if it's gonna be for him, it's this year because he is complete. He added 40 yards to his drive. He is completely locked in right now. So I think it's gonna be interesting watching the last two days as Rory just knocks in a birdie putt. Yeah, and then Rory's my guy that I think is would have made the push from the. Two over pool, so right. He's one now. He just made he's, a birdie on twelve. He shot two under on the front, so he's two under overall through twelve. So that's another guy that can wake up and absolutely come back. And when you talk about guys that really, when everyone's playing bad and you need a big day, I think it's Rory McIlroy. Right. He's always a guy that's just been waiting in the wings for his time. He is. He hasn't been that loud in the last year. He hasn't really won much. He hasn't. He. I mean, he's in the top ten all the time, but he isn't. He isn't a guy that has been like known so far in the last year. So I think you can't count him out. All right, we're just about finished up here, but you wanted to talk a little about basketball. Who's your pick to win the finals? The I Miami am, Heat. Are I two. am a Miami Heat bandwagon guy all the way this year. I want LeBron down, and I want Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler. In six. I just want to see a Nuggets Heat Finals. How funny would I that would be? I would be amazing. But for uh, for the Easter Conference Finals, I got Heat in six. And for the West, I got Lakers in five. And then I think I think it's gonna be the it's gonna be the Lakers. I think so too. Which I hate to say, but the South. Well, I I I'm, I'm honestly not too sure about like how safe I want to say the Lakers are going to win this because no, the Heat are playing all. so no, well. not at all, not at all. But and the Nuggets are always a threat even when it's 3-1. You also can't count out the Celtics, who have been playing better than any any team in the NBA this year. So, I mean, they are really they, – they slowed down over the last two days, but I I think that they're going to make it a series and they're going to take the Heat to the six, to six. I think they're going to win the next two games, tie it up, and then Ooh. the Heat are going to win the next two. That's my – that's was, my bold prediction. I was thinking it would be like 3-1, or like they'd win t- next game, Heat would win a game, make it make it interesting. I'll be but, very surprised if the Heat win game three. Very, very surprised. Yeah, that's that would be crazy if the Heat won game five. I'm saying, or game three. I'm saying they win like game four. Yeah, I'll also four be happy. Six, yeah. I'll also be happy if the Nuggets win one against the Lakers because LeBron. I kind of want to see. I kind of want to see them go down three one again. That would be an interesting the Nuggets? thing to watch. Yeah, the, you know they're. Only 13 teams I've ever done it in history come back from a 3-1 deficit, and they've done it twice in the same playoff. I love it. I love it. If we have Nuggets heat, it'll be a beautiful thing. All right, well, keep your eyes peeled for those games. I think the 
Next one's tonight. Next one is the Celtics. The, next one the Celtics Heat game three C- is tonight. Celtics Heat's tonight. Right. But that's all. That's it for us today. That we didn't was, get to talk about the Yankees, but go Yankees! Nine-game win streak. That's Danny Vaccaro for you. We'll hopefully get to baseball in our upcoming episodes with the playoff race going. But that's it for us. Thanks for coming on, Dan. Thank you for having me. I loved it. It's awesome. I can't wait to be back. Once again, I'm Michael Fumafredo. You're watching Coast. You're listening to Coast to Coast Sports, the only podcast for the fans by the fans. We'll see you Wednesday when we go live back at the Liquid Lunch Studios.